0: Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I am your host, Dylan Howell. Uh, Welcome back to this 18th episode of Money's No Object. Um, I'm just really excited to to dig in with you guys again uh, today on personal finance topics and uh, things that that we can grow forward learning about and become financially free uh, together in these things. Uh, Today we're gonna be talking about what is investing and how we can prudently grow our money forward. And we know that we covered investing in some of the financial action plan steps that I covered last week and the week before. Um, And so we want to make sure that we really understand what's going on, what investing is and understand the misconceptions around investing and be able to uh, navigate around those things and and really use this tool, this this thing, this concept uh, to the best of our abilities. Before we really dive in, this is a, a newer podcast and YouTube channel. This is our fourth week. Uh, if you could go and uh, click the subscribe button below, like this video, leave me some feedback in the comments, and, and I'll, I'll get back with you uh, on that feedback. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on social media at MNO with Dylan. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, the audio version of this show, at iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And at Spotify Podcasts as well. Then also check out our website, www.mnowithdillon.com, to find out about some of the uh, financial coaching services and, and other things that, that we offer for you and the, the resources that we have for you guys. So let's start off with what is investing? What, how do you define what investing is? And so the definition that I use, and, and I use it to, to critically look at uh, am I investing or, or not, or, or am I doing something different is from th- this book that was published in 1934. It's called Security Analysis. It's by uh, Benjamin Graham and David Dodd. And uh, they put forward a- an investment definition that I-, I think we can all live by and, and agree with. And so I'm going to read that for you. They say, an investment operation is one which upon thorough analysis, Promises safety of principle and a satisfactory return. Operations not meeting these requirements are speculative. And so they lay out what an investment operation is, what investing is, and then what speculation is. And we'll dig more into that. So you heard them say operations not meeting these requirements or these qualities are speculative. So so what is what is speculation? So there's a definition for speculation as well that was set forward by... Uh, Jesse Livermore in, in one of his, his books back in the day. And so uh, let me read that for you as well. It says that the object of a speculator, someone who is speculating, is not to secure a steady return on his money at a good rate of interest, but to profit by either a rise or a fall in the price of whatever he may be speculating in. And so it tells us right off the bat that price is not investing. If you're looking at price, to determine whether you're gonna buy something or not. If that's, if that's your only determinant, that is actively speculating. So, so there are two definitions, and we're gonna build the rest of today around those definitions. So we know, and maybe you don't, but, but we'll talk about this more in, in another video, that returns that, that you receive from investing are tied directly to the risk that you take. And the optimal investing is you want the maximum return for the minimal risk. But that said, you probably have a, a minimum return that you're willing to, to have, and, and a really a minimum return that you're willing to, to accept. And the higher that this return gets, you must understand that the more inherent risk that you'll be taking in order to receive that same return. Some of the most common long-term re- return goals that really fall between eight and 12%. And uh, those are attainable numbers, but you must understand the risks that go along with attaining those returns as well. And a quick thing that I want to really lay out there first and foremost, because I hear it far too often, investing is not gambling. It's not, it is not gambling. Why is it not gambling? Because in the definition of investing laid out by uh, Graham and Dodd, what did they say? They say that upon thorough analysis, well, if I'm gambling, there's no analysis. I can't analyze my gambling, right? I, there's, there's nothing to, to analyze. Most things are chance. Most things are simple probabilities. So there's nothing to analyze and look at objectively. So there's thorough analysis, and then there's promise of safety and adequate returns. So with gambling, there's no promise of safety or adequate returns. So investing is not gambling. Now, speculating can be gambling. And I, I want to be very clear about that and make the distinct line between investing and speculating. And you have to know that just because something says, just because, just because something is an investment vehicle doesn't mean that you can't speculate in that thing. You can speculate in things that are investments. But then there are certain things that are purely speculative. And even if you put your money in it, it's, it's not an investment. You can call it an investment, but it is not inherently investing. So let's start and let's talk about some different types of investments that you could own, that you could hold. So first off, there's there's stocks. And you guys have heard about stocks, the stock market, all this type of thing. What is a stock? A stock is nothing more than a fractional ownership in a company. And so whatever the company's worth, depending on how many shares of stock that company has, the ownership of that company is divided evenly among the number of shares. And so if you own a share of stock, you're a, a proportional owner of that company. So that that's what a share of stock is. And people make it much more than it is, but but that's that's in essence what a stock is. But there's also bonds, and you guys have likely heard about bonds. Bonds are debt by companies or governments or municipalities, and what they do is they say, okay, we need to raise a million dollars. So we're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna issue bonds that are $1,000 a piece, and people and uh, companies are going to buy these bonds right? And we're going to pay them some return, some fixed return on these bonds. And so what these are, it's nothing more than debt. It's, it's debt that you purchase from a company. So in return for the bond, you give them money, right? And so they are raising money through this debt. They also raise money through uh, shares of stock by issuing more shares. They can uh, raise more money as well. So th- those are two ways that you can invest, and it's ways that companies raise money as well. Then there are funds, and you've you've heard about these, uh, mutual funds, right? Sound sound familiar? So funds are just pooled investments, and it's it's uh, where a bunch of different investors put money in, and and some individual or group of individuals make investment choices um, for you, and so you uh, put your money in, and and they decide how to allocate Now, most funds have a direction or, or a particular uh, objective to them, and uh, so you'll know what you're investing in to a certain extent, but not um, have full control over where your money is going uh, into particular investments. But those funds will buy stocks, buy bonds, buy different types of investments in order to uh, create returns for you. And so mutual funds is, is a particular type and there's also exchange-traded funds, and, and these are uh, distinctly different, we'll talk about how uh, later, but, but they're, neither of them are bad inherently. Um, they have their, um, their advantages and disadvantages, so I uh, don't want to dive too deep into that, but, but those are funds, and, and that's what uh, these particular types of funds will, will do. And sometimes these funds, they, they aren't actively managed by someone. Yes, there's, there's a manager, but uh, sometimes these funds, what they do is they passively track an index, like the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or, or something like that. They track the performance of a particular group of companies or a particular uh, group of you know, bonds or stocks or whatever, and when they passively track those things, that leaves you not having to wonder about what you're invested in. You know exactly, you're just invested in the same thing as that index. So they can do that, or they can do the active thing, kind of what I was talking about a moment ago. And mutual funds are where I do a majority of my investing, mutual funds and and ETFs, because they are very simple and and they do have a lot of distinct advantages. So what what else can you buy that's an investment? Uh, You can buy real estate, right? So uh, real estate is something where you can not only make money on the appreciation of an asset, but it can also uh, pay you in cash flow by by rents. And so you can buy commercial or residential real estate, um, and, and it worked very well for you. In many cases, real estate can make higher rates of returns than the stock market can, um, but it requires more work from you. And it's not passive as people call it. Somebody has to manage it. Either you have to manage it or you have to hire somebody to manage it. Uh, Either way, it's going to be costly to you in order to manage. And so some people don't want the uh, hassle that goes along with it, but uh, it can be very lucrative. And along those same lines, there are REITs, R-E-I-T-S, and that's Real Estate Investment Trusts. Um, And what a REIT is, is, it is nothing more than Uh, an investment in real estate and you receiving the distributions from that real estate and the appreciation and price of that real estate, but it's securitized. So it's like buying a stock, but that stock tracks that real estate or that mutual fund tracks that real estate. And so that's what a REIT is. And so if you don't want the um, exposure or or the responsibility that comes with buying individual pieces of real estate. You can buy REITs and and get exposure to uh, real estate assets. Then there are other alternative uh, investment uh, methods and and investment vehicles that you can use. A couple, just real quick, uh, one is hedge funds. And so what hedge funds do is they um, hedge their bets. So hedge uh, their investments by going long or going short uh, different investments and, I, and I'll let you know I'll talk to you more about what that means later it's basically betting on whether they'll go up or uh, making money when they go down when you short it um, so hedge funds will, will do things like that and those also have a manager and those managers uh, tend to take a, a little bit more risk um, but they will hedge against certain other types of investments so some people like to hold hedge funds in order to just um, have something in their portfolio that's not as correlated with the other things that they're invested in. Then there's also private equity firms and private equity uh, companies where well, they will raise funds for companies that um, aren't necessarily gonna go public and they're not gonna have shares of stock that you can purchase. So uh, those things are typically not uh, too available to the individual investor, but it, it's still an option that's out there. Uh, those are just a couple of alternatives uh, that can be, can be used. Then two more that I, that I wanna cover. So there's uh, options, and that's a particular type of financial derivative, and then there's commodities. So uh, options and derivatives are basically, they derive their value from something else. So uh, what an option does is it just gives you the, the right to, to buy or sell something at a given price. So you can see how, how that could be lucrative because if I purchase the right to buy a particular stock at 20, but that stock goes up to 25 and I can still buy it at 20. Well, I can immediately buy at 20 and sell at 25 and make that $5 difference. And so uh, options can be lucrative, that's a particular thing, Um, but options are just, uh, there's a lot of upside and then there can also be a lot of downside with certain option and derivative strategies as well. Uh, Then commodities, we've heard of all these different commodities. So um, gold is a commodity wheat, any kind of, if you hear you know, wheat, corn, any type of crop, I mean, those things are, are commodities. And so um, you, you really want to be careful with commodities as well, because that can be purely speculative um, in nature. So I, I don't dig too deep into commodity uh, investing or commodity trading, but that is a particular investment vehicle that is available um, if you know anything about it and if you're willing to do the work. Now, all of these things that I've named can be used for speculation. So just because it is a type of investment, once again, does not mean it can't be used for speculation. So go back and, and listen again to the beginning of this video and the the definition I gave for an investment or investing and see if the way you're going about it is investing or speculating. Because Investing or speculating doesn't have as much to do with the actual thing as it has to do with your behavior. Are you speculating? Not, is it speculative? Are you speculating? Are you just looking at price? Are you just acting on emotion? Are you just doing something half haphazardly without any analysis and without the guarantee of the adequate return or the promise of safety, which All of those things are required for the uh, act to be investing and not speculating. So then there's a couple things I wanna just steer you away from and tell you that if you're investing in these, you're speculating in 99% of the cases and you're not doing your homework uh, as well as you should. So um, maybe you do the work, but you, you have a very short term point of view um, and, and you're not looking long-term, and we are long-term investors. So I'm not looking uh, for the short-term. So let's think about a couple of these things. First of all, cryptocurrency. Bitcoin, Litecoin, all these different things. These are not, what, what is it tied to? What can you do analysis on? What can you analyze to see if this is gonna go up or down in value? It's a crapshoot, and so it, it's not an investment. I, I'm not putting money in something that I don't know whether it's gonna go up or down in value based on some fundamental fact. Then penny stocks. So when I say penny stocks, I mean stocks that are trading at below $5 typically, um, and in some cases less than $1. Um, Those are really, really speculative because they're trading so low for a reason. They're really, really cheap for a reason. So there are very few companies that trade so cheaply um, and you have the ability to make good financial decisions around those uh, those cheap options. Most companies are gonna maintain a trading range between like 25 and 75 or 50 and $75. Um, and so falling below $5 a share is, is a very detrimental thing to a particular company um, and can get you delisted in, in some cases from these big exchanges like the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ or whatever. And so uh, I really want you to be diligent If you're looking at a stock that costs less than $5, go look at its fundamental, go do its fundamental facts. Go look at uh, the balance sheet and the income statement if you know how to do all these things. And you'll realize quickly that in a lot of cases it's because putting a value on that company is so difficult and they have some fundamental flaws uh, that would keep a prudent investor away. Then also gold. So I, I know I say commodities are a particular type of investment and they are, and they can be. And you can buy the companies that um, that mine gold and you can do things like this. But in many, many cases, people are not buying gold because they've done any kind of analysis. Because gold is, in its nature, some kind of hedge to a currency. And once again, it does not track anything. Our money is not backed to gold like it used to be. And so this is... Not a place that you, you really want to rely on for your returns. Uh, some people put a very small portion of their portfolio in gold, but it's speculative because they're not doing the analysis and they're not doing the work to see uh, if there's a promise of safety and there's adequate returns, which with gold is, is typically not the case. Then if you have any collectibles. Uh, collectibles can be fun. They can go up in value. Uh, Gary Vee likes to talk a lot about... Uh, trading cards and, and football cards and basketball cards and baseball cards. And those things can be cool and they can go up in value, uh, but just know that, that it's purely speculative. There is no investing in those things uh, due to the fact that, that you don't know wh- where the uh, price is going to go. You don't know if it's going to be, be worth more or less later. You can guess, uh, but that's speculating. Then even further, uh, any kind of leveraged product. So what do I mean by leverage product? I mean by something that requires debt to invest in it. So, a couple of things. Uh, one would be something like a leveraged ETF. And what a leveraged ETF does is it takes the returns of a particular index or it takes a particular index and it purchases it with a certain percentage of debt so that your returns are magnified. Now, when I say returns are magnified, it's in both ways. So, it's your positive returns are magnified and your negative returns are magnified. So you don't want to necessarily get in this place because then your uh, promise of safety starts to go away because losses are harder to come back from. Uh, like if you have bigger losses, you have to dig out of a bigger hole uh, to, to get out of those losses. So um, so for instance, if you lost 50%, you have to make 100% gain in order to just get back to where you were. Um, whereas if, if you're to lose something like 33%, you only have to make 50% to get back to, uh, the, the point at which you began. So you have to make more in the positive direction than you did in the negative direction just to get back to zero. So if your losses are magnified and you invest in a leveraged product at the wrong time, then that can be detrimental to your wealth building ability. So, um, leverage ETFs. And then there's margin, which is you are literally borrowing money in order to invest in something. I'm not going to do that either. And not that it's it's a matter of the fact that you could you know, make more money and maybe you've done the analysis and maybe you do have promise of safety, but a stock can move in a particular direction or an investment can move in a particular direction that you didn't expect and you can incur losses that you didn't expect to incur just because you took on the leverage and just because you borrowed money. We don't borrow money, and we especially don't do so to invest, so that that's something else that I just take off the table. And then obviously, don't invest in anything that you don't understand. I know a lot of you, probably, the stuff that I just talked about, some of it went right over your head. That's okay, um, don't invest in it. Invest in things that you understand, and hopefully as we move forward, and I pick apart these things, Um, So I'll pick particular investment vehicles and just spend a whole show on that. And so hopefully as I talk about these things, you'll be more privy to, do I understand it? Will I invest in that? Then there's different investing styles, right? So um, there's a couple of juxtaposing styles that I want to talk about. uh, One of which is um, active versus passive investing. And so we kind of talked about that with the mutual funds. And so active investing is you are... Uh, actively choosing the particular things that you want to be invested in. And you may say, well, shouldn't everybody be actively investing? You should be active with your investments. But being an active investor in the sense that I'm talking about may not be good for everybody, and it, it can cause a lot of financial stress if if you do it incorrectly. So um, they, it would be like picking individual stocks and things like that, or um, just the, the very... Uh, particular securities that you want to invest in, uh, selecting those yourself. So that'd be a, an active strategy or buying mutual funds that are actively managed as well. Um, so that that can be a really tough thing to do. It's not wrong. Uh, it's just a different style. It's something that uh, you're taking more ownership for what you're doing and you're either trusting yourself to make the decisions more or trusting a manager to make the decisions more. I, I've picked... Uh, specific stocks for myself and I I still do so um, because there are things that I understand and things that I I know that I can make money on. So um, I have that active portion, but the juxtaposing side is passive. And so passive would be something like just pouring money into an index fund, an index mutual fund that's just tracking a particular market index. And most people do this in like their 401Ks or um, their IRAs and stuff like that. And that's perfectly fine because you can make great returns it with a passive investing style Um, but that's not to say you shouldn't know what you're invested in and understand it you definitely should um, but you can be passive with the way you invest into it and what you have to remember is no investing is truly passive you have to make active decisions to invest and how to invest but it's just a particular style and what they've named it and i wanted to just hit on it real quick also there are um another two uh, styles that juxtapose one another and they can be active or passive as well Um, but there's growth and value so uh, you can growth do growth investing uh, actively or passively and you can do value investing actively or passively so growth investing is buying things that maybe have a lot of momentum or that are going up in price really faster that um, so, for, for instance, right now, if you were a growth investor, you would invest in things like Tesla and Amazon and all these things that just shoot up really fast and have really high valuations, um, that's, a, that's what a growth investor does. Uh, but a value investor, what a value investor does, and I, and I lean a little bit more towards the value um, side, is they try to find value in particular companies or value in particular investments and so they try to buy at a lower price and provide themselves um, some, some space for that particular investment to get to the price at which it should be uh, trading at. So they, they determine some intrinsic value is what they call it, some value that something should be worth and they see can I buy something below that intrinsic value and if they can, they, they expect that they will make money in that way. And so that makes a lot of sense. And growth investing can be very useful too because sometimes riding momentum uh, can shoot you straight to the top. And especially if you've, let's say you've been buying the S&P 500 index recently or or buying uh, index funds, you've been the beneficiary of a lot of growth uh, investing because a lot of the major companies in those indexes are by their nature, growth companies. And so you've gotten a lot of positive growth out of that and that's fantastic. You want to be able to take advantage of these different strategies, but you need to be aware of the way that people invest and what it means, because you'll see this on mutual funds and you'll see this on ETFs, you'll see actively, passively growth value, and you need to know what that means. So why do we invest? We invest so that we can grow our money and be beneficiaries of compound interest. I've, I've touched on it a little bit previously, and I'll, I'll have a whole show on it later. Uh, Compound interest is is why we invest. We know that 10% on $100 this year is gonna yield us $10, $10, right? But 10% on that $110 is gonna yield us $11 the next year, and it compounds and it grows like that. You're making more money on your money. You're making money on money that you've already made. And so that's the whole idea. We want to be compounding, we want to be growing our money, and uh, that's why we invest. We also want to take away the effects of inflation on our cash. So we know that the value of money is is going to decline over time because $100 today is not worth what, uh, um, it can't buy you the same thing that $100 could buy you 50 years ago or 20 years ago for that matter. And so we know that inflation is going to cut into the value of money and we want to be able to grow our money in order to surpass inflation and keep the value of our money going up savings in a bank is not going to cut it for your long-term investing goals because even though the bank's going to pay you whatever maximum, like right now, 1% or something like that, like high-yield savings are at one to one and a half. And so if that's all a bank's going to pay you, that's not going to do it for long-term investing. So you have to invest in something where you do take on a little more risk, but you understand what you're investing in and you have a a good certainty of long-term returns and long-term safety of your money. And what does investing allow you to do? It allows you to do the three uses of money that we've talked about, and what are those? Giving, saving, and spending. And I told you we'd be coming back to these time and time again, because if you invest, well, later I can give more because I have more money to give because I've invested well. Uh, And if I invest, I can save more. I can have more money set aside for myself in case things happen, and and I can do those things well. And I can also spend more because if I, once again, if I have more money, I have more money to spend and and do fun things with. And so investing allows us to meet those particular goals and those particular places of financial balance uh, in a a good way. And so we can do all of those things and do them uh, effectively. And we can do them because we invest in the way that we should long-term. So something that you need to know is that investing is one of the most necessary parts of long-term wealth building. It's the way that you're going to get from normal to extraordinary long-term. And I want you to get there and I want you to be able to do those things. Um, And don't allow your lack of knowledge or allow your um, ignorance in a particular area to allow you to not even try. You have to be investing somehow over the long-term in order to get to where you want to be financially, in order to have true financial freedom. So take the time, learn, listen, read, find... Different resources that will allow you to understand what kind of investment choices are out there, what they are, how they work. And once you understand that, you're going to be so fired up about it and you can go and, and actually put your money to work in an effective way. And you have to bear in mind that there are so many things that you can invest in that may be purely speculative. And I don't want you to speculate. If you do speculate, keep it to such a small portion of your of your net worth that it's it's not going to affect you long term yes there are certain things that you could put money in and make short-term crazy gains I get it I understand you want to you know make that quick money but guess what Rome wasn't built in the day and you're not going to be able to gain money hastily and it last any any money that's gained hastily is likely to to fall away is likely to um, be squandered and, and that's that's directly from the Bible that's a biblical Uh, Statement. And so you don't want to be in a place where you are trying to gain money quickly just for the sake of having it. Um, We're building long term wealth so we can um, do things in balance and do things for the good of ourselves and for others. And so don't lose that vision. Don't miss that understanding because much money has been lost in the short term. Much money has been lost in the short term. But long term, you can almost guarantee that money will be made. So I'm going to help you continue learning about investing as I go through these videos and, and a, as we continue to provide you this content, we're going to let you learn a, a lot more about investing and, and how to um, invest your money properly and, and the different tenants. Some of the things I talked about today, I'm just going to you know, narrow in on one of those topics and one of those investments and have a whole video on that. Um, but today I just want you to know what is investing, what are some things I'll hear, what is some lingo I need to learn, what, things like that. So hey guys, thanks again for watching this video. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I, I really appreciate you. Don't forget to subscribe, like, leave comments if you're on the YouTube channel. If you're on iTunes or Spotify and you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to uh, subscribe and, and leave me a review, um, especially on, on iTunes. I know you can do the, the same on on Spotify. Leave me a review, uh, hopefully a five-star, and uh, that, that would help me out greatly. Also, uh, check out all of the content that we're posting on social media at MNO with Dylan. I I think you'll like that um, on the major social media platforms. Also uh, check out the financial coaching services that I offer and uh, find out a little bit more about us uh, at www.mnowithdylan.com. That's our our website and tune in tomorrow as I talk about how much you should invest the 15% rule that we talked about in the financial action plan and how that is going to affect you and how that's going to work out in your particular uh, circumstance. And so we'll talk about that tomorrow. Also look out for the weekly rewinds uh, on Saturdays. I posted one last Saturday. You can check that out for the broad topics of things you may have missed, and you can go and dig into the videos that that you missed uh, if you're interested um, in those. So hey, thank you guys again for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.